Okay, Bokatov, it is a pleasure to be learning. Let's let, let's let's refocus. Um, our topic today is the one why I have Tvila, and we are going to spend a little bit of time learning about and uh, processing the Beer Christ Kriya Shrine. Before I start, I want to thank um, Rosemary and Owen Fish, who are sponsoring today's share on the the, um, the passing of the Aliyah and Shama of Martin Moses Gelman, uh, Barry Gelman's father, Moshe Mendel. Um, it should be an Aliyah and Shama for him as the Shiva ends today. It's a Shem Nishmasai Aden. If I don't ask a regular person, how many Birkois Kriya Shema are there? How many blessings on the Kriya Shema are there? I think most people would be hard put to have a definitive answer. Most people do not know how many Birkois Kriya Shema there are. Anyone want to take a stab? Okay, so here's, yeah, let me just like sort of explain why people are confused. Because there's lots of paragraphs, right? So um, generally speaking, when there's lots of paragraphs, it's confusing. And we don't know necessarily um, where the brachas are. So when, let, let's say when I, when I would learn this with my high school go, uh, girls, I would point out that the, the way to figure out where brachas are is look for the end of brachas. The beginning is not so easy because some brachas are missing the beginning. But when it comes to the ends, look for the ends. So it turns out that in the morning, although there are many paragraphs, there are only before Kriyas Shema two brachas. There are only two brachas, and that is Yotzer Amoros, after many paragraphs. And the next one is... Those are the two paragraphs that come before, and those are two brachas, although they are long brachas. The first one being extensively long, the second one being shorter. Um, let's take a look at the, how the Mishnah frames it. The Mishnah in Source 1 says, Beshachar, in the morning, You say two blessings before, and one blessing afterwards. What's the one blessing afterwards? We end it with Gal Yisrael. It has three paragraphs in our Siddurim, at least. It's MS Yatziv, then Al Rishonim, and Ezra. And then we go all the way till Gal Yisrael. That's the, second, the third bracha of Kriyat Shema. So two before, one afterwards. That's the constellation of the morning. It comes the evening. It's a little easier to see because the paragraphs are somewhat shorter. And the Mishnah goes on to say, In the evening, So those two paragraphs are unique paragraphs. It's easier to notice that those are brachas. But there are two afterwards. So let's go back to the evening in, in our minds. What is the first of the brachas in the evening? Again, which ends with Gaal Yisrael. Again, it's the Gaal Yisrael. But here, where's the second one? Is Ashkivenu. Okay, so that's that, that's where we have it. So essentially, if we're being if we're keeping track at this point in time, how many on a daily basis of Berakos Kriyashma are there? There are seven. Okay, on a daily basis, two, one, two, two. Okay, that's that's that, that's the Mishnah essentially saying. Then. Um, the Mishnah actually points out So you can't make longer ones, shorter, shorter ones, longer, ended at the wrong time or the wrong, the wrong phraseology. Fantastic. That's what the Mishnah tells us. So why did they institute this? Where, where did Anshay Knesset Agdala? These are not Sukkim. These are words. These are words of the liturgy which were created by Anshay Knesset Agdala. So why did they do this? So the Torah points to a pasuk which is found in the 119th chapter of Tehillim, in which we are told Sheva Bayom Hilil Ticha, or seven per uh, on a day I have praised you Al Mishbetei on your righteous rules, on your laws. That's what the pasuk says. Says the Tur Rabbeinu Yaakov that the, this, uh, quoting the Yerushalmi, that this is where they started from. They knew they needed to get seven praises to, uh, per day, and they instituted them around Kriyashma, creating the 2-1, 2-2 um, um, uh, setup. That's how, how it works. 
Um, the idea, the focus being that the Mishpatet Tzidkecha, apparently, the laws of, right, of righteousness are the Shema, and the seven um, are around that, the constellation around that. Fascinating. Not to figure out why is seven, why is Shema called Mishpatet but we have the seven. And one of the questions we have to ask ourselves in the, in the back of our minds is, how do they relate to Kriya Shema? Meaning, they're called the Birkas Kriya Shema, but thematically, what, what do they have to do with Shema itself? Is one of the questions we have to figure out to ourselves, because when we read through them on a daily basis, it's very hard to know exactly what's, what's, what's being said. I'd like, to, I'd like to just add one little, little, little knudge. Birkas Kriya Shema are one of the hardest parts of davening. Well, here's the reason why. I remember when I was in, in Yeshiva University, so I had the job of being the Gabbai, and then I had the opportunity of being the Gabbai Rishon, um, of all the, you know, of the, of the, of the Bate Medrash. And so one of the things that, that was my pet peeve was the fact that the, the main minion in YU was the emptiest minion in, in YU. Why? Because Rabbi Blau and Rav Shechter used to daven there, and they used to daven like you should be davening. And the davening on a regular weekday would take 50 to 55 minutes on a regular weekday. And the parallel minion that started five minutes beforehand, which took 35 minutes, was the full minion, packed to the rafters, right? It's a tough life, right? They've got a dual curriculum. People are studying. There's labs. There's pre-med. There's all kinds of things. It's very tough. And so people needed that extra time. And so they would go to the much quicker minion. And by the way, 35 minutes is slower than our shul. But um, um, <laughs> just, just want to say, but nonetheless, you know, relatively speaking, we're all, we're all you know. So, so people wouldn't go. So, so one of the goals I had was to try to, so, so to speak, make it more, more, um, enticing to be in the main minion because it should be the yeshiva minion it should be a full minion not not 13 and a half people right so so uh, so 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 one of the things we do is we try to we try to we try to um, shorten the the psychodizimra a little bit not the uh, words the, <laughs> the the amount of time that it would take to do it and and so on and so we had a, a particular meeting and i remember speaking to rav shachter and i said really for the sake of this for the sake of the minion wouldn't it be all right if we made it a little shorter? So Rabbi Shachter says, you know what, you can shorten the amount of time it takes to say Pesach as much as you want, because anyway I'm coming 20 minutes before davening because I can't finish it in time. He says, but you can't shorten Birkas Kriya Shema because there's no way for me to, to, to escape that. Meaning, if the, once you get to Birkas Kriya Shema and you shorten that, there's no way of coming earlier to say that. Right, we all start at the same time, and if it's said too fast, everybody has to be at Shema at the same time. So there's no, that's, so, and so Rav Shechter was pointing out, and it's an important point to realize, is that that's the critical part, that there's no extension. If you want to go longer, you go longer. So if you want to go longer, you come earlier. Because Krishna, you're stuck. There's no way to do it. And I struggle. I struggle every day trying to, trying to be able to say this, especially because the words, especially in Ava Rabba as an example, are deeply meaningful. But it's very hard to do that. That's why we're stuck in this, in the, in this place. So let's try to deepen our appreciation for what's really going on over here. So let's go through them one by one and appreciate what's at stake, what, what's, being, what's being said, what we're trying to say on a daily basis. And I, 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 for me, I just want to make, make one basic point that I think is important to be aware of. This is the way that I'm trying to focus in my own davening. And that is, is that our davening is not about the global world and world history necessarily. That's, that may be true as well. But our davening is framing a very specific time frame in our lives. And that is the amount of time between davenings. Think about this for a second. 
What I'm doing on a daily basis is I'm trying to frame what I'm about to do or perhaps what I did do in the between davenings and I'm trying to get my mindset right for those six hours. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to, 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 to fix all of Jewish history. I'm not trying to change my theological perspective on, on, on everything that's going on in the world and th synthesis and evolution. No, no, no. I'm just trying to fix these six hours. With that perspective, let's try to sort of take those ideas and say, how am I framing these six hours that they should be precious to me in this way? So here are, the, here are a few of the steps that Sheikh Nesodala thought about. Idea number one was Yotzer Or. What is the idea of Yotzer Or? This is the first bracha. It's a long bracha. It has a few components to it. Two distinct components. The first component is the following. The bracha, the Gomorrah bracha stuff, Yudalaf um, Amor of Tuvama base discusses what is the context of this bracha. So it starts off with the words, which are actually a rephrasing of a pasuk in Tanakh. So the Gemara says, what's the, what, what is the blessing? The Gemara tells us, The blessing we start with is one who, Hashem who, who fashioned light and created darkness. Okay, those are different words, Yitzira and, um, Yitzira and Bria. Yitzira is actually formation, Bria is, 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 forma is, is creation, uh, formation and creation. So now the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, well, let's make it a little more euphemistic. <coughs> Creates light and brightness. So why are we talking about darkness? You're in the morning, it's beautiful, the sun is hopefully shining. We've just gone through two days of rain. We can appreciate having a little bit of a little bit of light in our lives. So why not say it that way? So the Gemara says, no, because we're quoting a Pasuk. We're quoting a Pasuk. And what's the Pasuk? The Pasuk says, It's a Pasuk in Yeshayahu. So the Gemara says, aha, if you want to be a literalist, if you want to follow just what it says in the Pasuk, what about the latter part of the Pasuk? What does the end of the Pasuk say? Elameata, I say shalom uvarira. Haha, the end of the Pasuk is very un-euphemistic. The end of the Pasuk is as, 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 as bare bones as it comes, as harsh as it is. The end of the Pasuk is, it says, I say shalom Hashem creates peace and creates evil. So how should we start our Berkaz Kriyashma? Yotzer aru varechashech. What do we say? What is our call? Everything. So that's a euphemism. So the Gemara says, We don't quote the Pasuk precisely. So it's euphemisms there. So we should also euphemize darkness, shouldn't we? Once we start with our poetic license to start erasing um, the way that the Pasuk was saying. When it comes to darkness, we want to mention darkness during the day, but we don't want to talk about evil necessarily. That's, the, that's what the Gemara says. A little, a little bit hard to understand. So there are certain euphemisms that we do do and certain we don't do. And when it comes to darkness, we want to mention that. When it comes to evil, we don't. Strange. So let's try, try, to, try to process that. It sounds, it sounds a little bit... It, it sounds a little bit so we lop lopsided, right? So darkness is in, evil is out. Right? So how, how, how's this working? What are Chazal really doing in this bracha over here? So the Shulchan Aruch actually explains this for us. In case we, we were not aware, the Shulchan Aruch does sometimes explain what we're actually saying, not just the how and the which and the what. The Shulchan Aruch tells us what are we supposed to be thinking? So the Shulchan Aruch in the beginning of Yilchus Berakos Kriyashma, which is in Simon Nuntes 59 in Arachaim, which is where a lot of this uh, comes from, what does it mean to mention darkness during the day? Why do I mention darkness during the day? Is because there are those, we'll call them, academically speaking, they are called dualists, who say that there really are two powers. 
right? It's a very convenient reality if you think about that because anytime something goes wrong, right, it's the other one, right? It's much easier than monotheism. Monotheism, you have to understand that God did all of this to us. That's very hard to square. But when it comes to dualism, it's much easier. There's the powers of darkness and the powers of light. What's a classic religion, by the way, that, that is a dualistic religion? Zeroastrianism, right? They're, they're kind of fa being phased out by the Iranians, right? Um, but um, so the, the, it's, a, it's a little bit of a tough thing because you see that the, the Zoroastrians actually were the predominant religion in Persia for many years. In fact, the Gomorrah talks about them all the time. What's the word for a Zoroastrian in the Gomorrah? Zoroastrians are called Chabarim. Okay, so they're, they're in the Gomorrah all the time. The Gomorrah talks about it. that's the reason why. Remember, on, why the Hanukkah candles came inside the inside was because of the Chabarim. Why? Because they would have festivals of light at darkness. And they would not allow any other lights besides for the Zoroastrian candles. So that's why the menorahs retreated inwards initially because of the Chabarim, those are the Zoroastrians. Anyway, so I guess history has a, a dramatic you know, way of coming back. And so Islam is not very tolerant of anybody who's, who's not monotheistic. And so the, the, uh, the, the, the monotheists who are not is Islamic are the Dhimi, and they, they're treated in a, you know, we'll call the people of the book, they have a substandard sub, sub existence in Islam. When it comes to the, the, the polytheists or the dualists, they're dead. So they've been, slowly, there's very few Zoroastrians left in the world. They were dualists. So that when we read our Birkas Kriyashma, we are actually ideologically saying we don't believe in that. And now you say, oh, that sounds so backwards, those Zoroastrians. So the truth is that we use that kind of language sometimes. We, we do say things which somehow indicate that we believe that there are other forces. Why did this happen? Why me? Why now? We sometimes use language which sounds like we think that there is other departments, right? So we have to be careful that when, when it comes to, the, to, to this. And we're, we're ascertaining, it's not a nice, the light is shining, everything is fine, but there are dark parts, and that all still comes up to the same, the same, uh, same apex of the, of the theological pyramid. That's what, we, what we, we're saying over here. So then how does that come back to the Ras? And then we should, that, that's precisely the question of Ra, isn't it? Rakuk uh, uh, makes the following observation. It's not a euphemism. Says, says Rav Kook in, in the Siddur Rav Kook in Saul 7. According to Rav Kook, the relation of the text of the prayer to that of the prophecy is exactly the reverse of what we have genuinely been led to believe. Most of us assume that Isaiah spoke truth itself and the rabbis in formulating the prayer toned it down. Right? No, let's not mention evil. Ameliorated it or even censored that truth, substituting the euphemism of all for Isaiah's unflinching evil comes Rav Kook to tell us the exact opposite. The ultimate truth is that the formulation by the sages, men of the Great Assembly, in reality there is no evil. Once evil has been grasped as part of the totality of existence, which is what we just said in Yotzer Oru that's phrase number one, it disappears from our vision. It was the prophet Isaiah who, for the purposes of moral exhortation, in combating philosophies that would deny pure monotheism, overstated the case for evil, couching, it, couching a, re a reality in terms of the convenient to the common perception of man. So think about this for a second. So Rakuk is saying is when we say what he's saying is Zakol means to say incorporating everything. Everything that I go through in life is an expression of God. Every, um, every situation that I'm put in or I find myself or I choose to be in, as bad or as good as it is, is part of that as well. That's what the rabbis are saying. Yes. That's what we've been saying. If we understood the whole plan, we would see everything for the good that it is. Very hard to see the whole plan. That's, that's exactly the point. And that's precisely, that's where we stand. That's what this bracha is trying to do. This bracha is trying to give us an insight. And by the way, again, let's turn this back into a six-hour schedule right now. Let's forget like world history. Right now, we just said it this morning, or we're about to say it this morning, depending on when we dive in chakras. 
for, for a moment, all we're trying to say is, until Marev tonight, I'm going to try to make sure to use language which reflects the reality that when bad things happen, I understand, it's part of our Kodesh Baruch Hu's plan as well. That's, that's, all, that's all we're trying to do for ourselves. Let's try to figure out that the next, all the bumps in the road that are going to happen to us today, let's make sure that, that, that the good and the bad, the light and the dark are all coming. That's, that's, that's what we're trying to say to ourselves in the beginning of the, the Birkas Kriyashma. Number one. Now it happens to be that the general topic of the first bracha of, of, uh, of, of Birkas Kriyashma sounds like it's about light, darkness, creation, all these wonderful things, right? But what is interesting is there is an insertion into it which does seem a little funny. What is that insertion which seems non-germane to the theme of creation, light, and dark? What's that idea? The Kedusha, right? So we have this, this, this thing, we start talking about angels, right? And then we start talking about angels and what they say. Then we're back to creation again. And we go and Yotzer HaMe'oros. So like that middle section of Kedusha is a very interesting thing. Halakhically speaking, there's a debate as to whether one can say it by oneself. Generally, one needs to say, uh, Kedusha in the context of community. In this case, it's a two-way two opinion, and we pass and then we say it by ourselves, if we were by, uh, by ourselves. But it's, it doesn't seem germane, connected to the idea of creation, light and dark. Why is it here? So there are a number of suggestions which are made as to that sort of insertion of Kedusha into our doubting. Remember, how many times do we do Kedusha on a, on a, on a morning uh, basis? We do it three times, right? We do it in the Birkas Kriyashma here. We do it in the repetition of the Shemona Esra. And we do Kedusha de Sidra later on by Uvala Tzion. So it's three times it happens. This is the first of the three. Why in Birkas Kriyashma? What does it have to do with the, the theme of what we're doing? So the, it, it relates to the fact that it sounds like that angels or these forces of divine agency, right? So Hashem's will is it expresses itself in this world as it, as it goes straight down through the departments. Um, are expressed in angels. How often they created? The Gemara Chagika tells us in Source 8 on Daf Yudalad Aleph. Tell me something which your father used to say. So he says, Call Yuma, the Yuma Nivrain Malache Hashores Minar Dinur. Every day the Malachi Hashores have been created. They say their song, meaning they, they do their purpose. purpose. So apparently on a daily basis there's also the creation of angels. These are the will of God for this particular day, and then they disappear once, they, once their job is being, being done. So relating to the notion of a daily creation process, it sounds like, we're putting in the creation process of the angels of that day. What they do, what Hashem's will is going to be expressed in this day is through those angels. And what do they say? Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh. The Avodah takes one step further. This is in the Siddur Avodah Lev. Kodesh was inserted at this point so as to rebut those who contended that after God created the heavenly bodies, He left the governance of the world to them. By proclaiming the entire world is full of His glory, we affirm His providence continues unabated. So the way that Avodah Ham, as quoted by the Siddur Avodah Lev, is saying is, if you think about this for a moment, is, is that it's kind of the next step. First, we ascertain that God is in charge of everything, right? But not only is He in charge of everything, He's still running the show. It's not like He bought the business and then He has managers, right? And He has a CEO and He's, he's doing something else, another investment right now. No, 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 no. God is still running the business. And he doesn't, it's not as if he has, he has all of heaven, you know, working automatically. That is, 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 is still here. Hashem is still involved in this world, which is another level of perhaps heresy, which sometimes we think about. Sometimes we think, does it really matter? I had the opportunity of sitting with a few students just a week ago at the end of Pesach, um, who were, who were uh, um, two weeks ago now already, 
um, who, um, who are in the process of coming back to, to Judaism. And one of the young ladies, very sophisticated um, young lady, lives in the Upper West Side. She says, I just, one of the things that's hard for me to appreciate is, does it really matter to God that I go out to the stores and buy this particular butter as opposed to that butter? Does God really care about what, you know, what I'm eating at this moment? Is, and, and part of that, we also feel ourselves, without perhaps articulating it, is, is God really, like, you know, uh, it, it, every moment, does it really, really matter so much? And what we're saying over here is that God is everywhere. And part of it is, by the way, the framework of that question is incorrect in the sense that we're viewing God as the auditor, right? So we say like this, like, is, if the IRS is auditing these ma massive companies, does it me that really matter that me, the small little guy, you know, with a small tax return, does it, does it make such a difference? But that's the wrong way of framing God. God is not the great auditor in heaven. <laughs> God has put a little piece of himself in us to, to make better. And so if, if, if we're not making it better, we're disappointing ourselves and him at the same time. It's a disappointment. It's not an audit. It's not like, he, he's, you know, how many times does the IRS, does the IRS have, an, have enough employees to, to check in on me? No, that's not, that's not God's, how God operates. But nonetheless, when it comes to this, Hashem and part of that is, is part of Him in me. There's something in me which I'm trying to, trying to cultivate towards its, 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 its uh, fruition. The way Rav Hirsch puts it is that he says, if you look at the translation of Kedusha, how do we know what the translation of Kedusha is? We say it every day. Where, where do we say it? Ah, good. It's translated into Aramaic. Um, what he calls uh, Jonathan, which is Targum Yonas and Nazil. We say it, we just said it this morning. We say Kadosh, 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 and then we say the translation is that the angels receive from one another when they say this. And they say, Blessed be Hashem in the, the throne room, in the heavens. And then, holy is he in the world where he is doing his actions. So Hashem is in all space and all time. Up, down, and, or, and, and for all eternity. So Rav Hirsch is saying the same idea, is that we're expressing this because part of creation is not just the physical creation, but the spiritual creation. And in the spiritual creation, all the forces which feed the physical, it's everywhere and all the time. There's no other way to escape it. That's what Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh is referring to. And that's why we insert into this brach, which is predominantly about creation, Hashem's imminence in our, in our lives as well. Okay, so that's, that's what we'll call first brach of Kriyashma and its insert. Then we move on to the next brach, which we call Avarabba. Okay, um, which is about great love. What's the general topic of that bracha, just out of interest? Av or Rabbi, Av Tano. What do we, 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 what is the request? What's the, the basic subtitle of that bracha? It's a big request about learning Torah, right? We say Hashem. Allow me to involve myself in Torah. Very different theme to the first bracha. Some has a connection to Hashem through Torah, which allows us to love you. I know what you want now, Hashem. So in that bracha, the Gemara says in source 11, Apparently there's another text, which is called Avas Olam. Interesting. When do we say that? At night, according to Ashkenazi tradition. Right, so it's interesting. There's two variant texts as to what that bracha should look like: is the love eternal, or is there, or is there a lot of love? We have to think about why night and day, night and day shift. We'll get there in a second. Um, so it, it comes down to an interesting point, and that is is the following: one of the hardest mitzvahs that we've we've been given as a nation is the mitzvah of loving God. Look, it's all right to do mitzvahs, right? So I can I can do things even though I don't feel it. So Hashem tells us to 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 to, to, to shake a lulav on sukkahs. You know what? It's not so hard. You know, I, you know it's, it's pricey these days, but you, you, ultimately you buy the Lulav and Esrog, you shake it and you're done. You know, and yes, you can have that big Yerots and all the Kavonas, we'll call extra credit. But ultimately, when you're doing the mitzvah, you've done the mitzvah. 
Loving God? How in the world are we supposed to love God? How do we cultivate that message? It has to be within our grasp, right? Because God's not going to command us something which is outside of our grasp. So how, does, how do we love? Mandating emotions is very, very difficult. So the Ramam says, this is very important. The Ramam actually has a few formulations of how we are supposed to get there. If we sit down, what are we supposed to be doing in order to get to that mitzvah? So the Ramam says two, two variations. Variation number one in, in source 13 is the Ramam in Sefer Amada, the very, very beginning of the second chapter. This is the beginning of all his entire Mishnah Torah. God, command us to love and fear him. Good, those are those two psukim. Very practical question. How do we love him? When a person looks at the incredible complexity of creation and realizes there's no beginning and there's no end, it's so vast, it's so unbelievable. In that case, Miyad U Ahev, Umeshabeh, Umefoer, Umesave, Tavag Dola Leda Hashem, Hagadol, Kamosh Omar David, Tsomanafilokim, Nakalchai, a person looks at the world around them, it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable how complex the world is. And once a person does that, then, then a person realizes that, that Hashem has a covered. I mean, it's just, I, 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 it's influencing my way of thinking now, but I've just finished a book called The Gene, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, the most sophisticated computer programs that we've created today, they're still working in binary, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, you know, zeros and ones. The, 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 it, God, God encoded the genes, right? These four base sets. Which are, which are encoding everything, everything and every aspect of even personality encoded into these, 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 these three billion base sets. And it's, it's unbelievable. The code is so sophisticated. And we're, we're only catching up as humans with all the technology and know-how and all that stuff. It's, 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 it's remarkable. Right, so you look at that, you say, man, the, the, you know, the signature of, of God is, is there. It's unbelievable. And we're just scratching the surface. We, we don't even understand how the epigenetics really works. We don't understand any of this stuff. We're, play, we're playing games, right? That's, when you look at that, you say, there, there must be a God, a, a God above. The Ramam actually has a different answer to this question, though. In Sefer HaMitzvah, now remember the way the Ramam does, does it. What he does is he has an enumeration of all the 630 mitzvahs in a book called the Sefer HaMitzvah, which is almost like an introduction to his Mishnah Torah in which he exp expresses it in more detail. In the Mishnah Torah, before each book, he says, this is the, these are the mitzvahs included in this chapter. Okay? So in reversing to his introduction, he says a different answer. The third mitzvah in the Torah is Shitzivanu Lavod to love God. Yisale, who I'm the lofty one, Vizel, Shinisponev, Naskil, Mitzvasov, Pulosov, Ad Shinasigel, Vinisane, Bahashkochosoi, Bahashkochosoi, Tachlis Atanuk. So, how do you get there? He says, You're supposed to love Hashem by thinking about his mitzvahs, his, his commandments and actions. And he quotes another passage in Krishna, which is when you look at his mitzvahs, that's when we love him. That's a very different answer, right? You notice that the one's looking outwards, the other one's looking inwards. The Ram presents two options. And in a certain sense, if you want to just appreciate what this is, is the world is what God did. The Torah is what God wants, right? It's like when you, let's, let's say you want to understand somebody you, you haven't met yet. So you can look around the office. Imagine you're given five minutes before a very important interview in the office of somebody you don't really know and you haven't done the due diligence. And you look around. So you can see by the pictures on the wall what, what they value, right? You look in the books on the, on the shelf. What is it that they read? You, you see the pictures on, 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 on the desk, right? You see the accomplishments and the certificates on the wall. What have they done? We're trying to understand God. We can't hug God, right? We can't have a dialogue in the same way as we would with another human being. But what we do is we look at two things as the Rambam. What does he want? That shows us who he is. And what does he do? Which is the world around us. 
I would suggest, this is a suggestion of a friend of mine, Rabbi Menachem Rosenbaum, but that's the two Brikos Kriyashma. The first bracha is the world. That's the first way of getting there. The second bracha is, is looking at the Torah, right? What God does and what God wants. And then ultimately, we get to what's the word? We want to get to loving. He loves us. So then what's the next pasuk? Now you're supposed to love him. How do you get to the love on a daily basis? Again, not talk about Jewish history, not talk about our entire life. Just these next these new next few hours. How am I supposed to, in the next few hours, arrive at this? Very practical steps. Take a look around. Take a look inside. Those are the, those are the two the two steps necessary to get to love of Hashem. That's 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 what we're trying to, to to achieve on a daily basis. With that, I think it's a, it's a it's a very beautiful idea. Now the question is is so. Are they precisely related to Kriyashma itself? So it sounds like yes, meaning they are the steps necessary to get to the love of a God. But is there any thematic connection? So the Aruch HaShulchan actually quotes the Rashba who says, nope, nothing to do. Nothing that have nothing to do with Kriyashma. Take a look in Sula 16. He says, Kosa Rashba Bichur, the Rashba, Rashba Ibn Adaret says, quotes in the following, De birkas shal kriyashma enam birkas shal kriyashma mamish. They are not the brachas of kriyashma. How do you know that they're not the brachas that relate to Shema itself? How do you know that the brachas that, 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 that are precede kriyashma are not the blessings of the Shema? Well, they would have talked about Shema a little, right? They, they, in, in, the, in, in their phraseology, they would have said, you know, like, like we say, let's say the bracha of before we do Tekiah Shofar, right? It relates to the Shema Kol Shofar, right? But it doesn't. It doesn't say anything about Kriya Shema. So clearly it is, it is a separate entity in and of itself, says the Rashba. Um, they were placed before and afterwards. Right? So we don't have to have an, a necessary connection to them. That's what the Go'anim suggested. He says, Halachic observation that reflects this. Let's say, you were in a rush and it was coming Zaman Kriyashma and you just say without it. So like sometimes let's say on a Shabbos morning where you are coming, the Zaman Kriyashma is 9.20 and the Minyan starting at 9.15. You have to say Kriyashma, right? So you say it there in the, in the Brachas, right? So let's say you do that and you don't say it with the, the Birkas Kriyashma. You'd still say the Brachas afterwards because the Brachas are their own independent reality. But let's say on that Shabbos morning case, let's say I daven the, the Kriyashma by itself before the 9.20 mark, and then I come later on, 25 minutes later, to uh, the Kriyashma itself, I still say the brachas of Kriyashma again, because they are their own tefillah, and I would say the Kriyashma in the middle, because it's no worse than learning Torah, even though it doesn't act as the mitzvah of Kriyashma at that point in time, because it's the, the time has passed, as avar zmanai, but I would still say it as, as, as the learning of the Torah and then finish with the other third break of Kriyashma. Says the Arashba because these are independent tefillos. They are three separate or seven, if you look at the whole day, seven independent tefillos which are said on a daily basis. They happen to be circling Kriyashma. Not all the Mephorosh are so happy with that because you would like to imagine that they thematically actually relate. What was that? It's disjointed then, right? So it seems to be just put in the middle, you know, haphazard. It doesn't sound like that's the case. So many Mephorshim, as an example, Rav Soloveitchik in his Siddur points out over here that the theme of each of the three Birkas Kriya Shema relates to each of the three paragraphs of the Shema itself. So like in Source 17 as an example, this is one, ex one example, um, about um, six, seven lines in, the, word, the first one in the line is the blessings. The blessings before and after Shema are unique. They form one integral entity with the Shema itself and mirrors its themes. For example, the phrase, which is in from Birkas Kriyashma number one, that Hashem does all these lofty things. 
in the first blessing echoes the theme of Shema, God's singularity in the paragraph of first paragraph of Kriya Shema, while the phrase the Kula Makabli Malem Al Machos Shemaim all accept themselves the yoke of heaven. Um, early in that blessing reflects the acceptance of divine sovereignty, so central to recitation of the Shema. The theme of the second blessing before the Shema, which speaks of the significance of the Torah mitzvahs, parallels the second paragraph of Shema, which likewise stresses the fulfilling of the Torah and fulfilling of the mitzvahs. And then he goes on to the third one, which is about Yetzias Mitzrayim, which is about Exodus, and if we talk about Gaal Yisrael. Which is the which is about future redemption. So he so Rabbi understands that yes, they actually do thematically relate. So it is about perhaps the way one would, one would one would suggest it is the, the words of our sex are revelation. Um, how's it, no, sorry, it goes renewal, revelation, and redemption. And each of those are the three the themes of the the actual paragraphs of Shema, which we'll deal with next week, reflected in the brachas itself. Yes. If you do have the time at, at nine fifteen, do you say, should you say Excellent question. So is asking a good question. So let's say we're in that situation where we are coming to Shul. Shul, um, who puts a minute at 9.15 on Okay. <laughs> okay. So now, so now, now, uh, um, so now, Birkos, uh, let's say this man Kriya Shema is coming at, at 9.20 or some, some early time. So do you do Shema with its brachas then? So we're going to run into another issue. We have another issue, and that is, is that there's an issue of what's called Smichas Keula Litzvila. We need to make sure that Geula, which is the last bracha of the Kriyashma, is, uh, is immediately connected to the Shemona Esrei. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to lose that because you have to do the Shemona Esrei, but then you, have, you haven't done the, the, the rest of the bracha. So that's where we stuck. So we do this sort of uh, this, uh, this uh, um, compromise. But that's a good question. So now, um, now, so let's go back to Gal Yisrael, this whole business of Exodus. So according to Rav Soloveitchik, that's naturally flowing off of Exodus of Egypt, which is the third paragraph of Kriyashma, and then it leads into the Shemona Esrei. The Gemara actually tells us, very beautiful statement in Source 18. So that the, we need to make sure that our tefillah, which is our requests, are immediately following the notion of Geula. That's why we say Gual Yisrael. And that's why we see that some people have the practice to say, the, the, the chazan says it silently. So nobody would even say Amen to interrupt it. And then um, some, some have the practice to, that everybody says it together to avoid having to say Amen, because we don't say Amen if we say the brach at the same time. But the point is that we shouldn't even have the interruption of a main between Goal Yisrael and the Shemona Yisrael itself. Interesting fun fact, if you look in the Siddurim, you know there's that, that phrase that some people say, Ki Shema You'll notice that it, it does not appear at Shachris. It does appear at Musaf and Mincha. Why? Because there's no Goal Yisrael. You can say an extra postage when you're not interrupting. Right, but, uh, but the Ki Shema Shemekra is only in the places where there's no Geula. Okay, just just an interesting point. Okay, let's skip the rest of the Gemara for for a second. What does it mean precisely that that, that, that we have to have Geula next to Tzvila? Okay, so there's a there's a number of different perspectives on this. One one brief idea is that of Rav Cook on the Gemara over here in Source 19. Um, we're not going to do the whole thing, but just one one uh, one observation which he makes over here. Um, actually, you know what? I, I, it's it, perhaps we'll get to this idea. In the next in the next stage, because it actually relates to uh, to, to night and day as well. Why why Geula is so important here? So um, part of this is part of the interesting thing is that night we don't follow the same pattern because although it is true that we have Goal Yisrael right after Kriyashma, but we add in extras, right? We have this Ashkivenu, and then for us in uh, in Chutz Laaretz um, um, Ashkenazim have this Yiru, this Baruch Hashem, and the whole Yiru and Enu, and then a whole another set of paragraphs. So if it was so important to us that Gal Yisrael, why are we interrupting it? That's what the Gemara asks itself um, in, in Source Twenty. Amar Rabba Bar so, um, 
I'm sorry, where, where am I? I apologize. I, uh, yes, okay, so, so okay, so I, 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 there's, there's, um, I, I interrupted myself with one other point. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, uh, so, which way should we go? There's, there's two different uh, points over here. Um, let's, 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 let's follow through the Gula idea, and then we'll come back to this, this, uh, this idea about the first bracha. So just hold that, put it out on hold for a second. Where does Hashkeveinu come from? So the Gemara says, Hashkeveinu, like Hashem Sohasaitivtach, is what's called Geula Arechta, an extended Geula. Meaning, apparently Hashkeveinu is part of the same theme of Geula. It's not considered an interruption to be able to say the Goal Yisrael right afterwards, or to, to say Shemona Yisrael right afterwards. Now, we do see it's a little loose at night because there's even a Kaddish and the other things as well. Right, as opposed to the Shachris, but apparently that, that Hashkivenu is an extension of the Gula Rechta. What does it mean to be an extension of Gula? What does it mean that, uh, that, that a person has this Gula Rechta? Rav Cook suggests in the 23rd source, just to clo close this theme, he says the following Yesh po He says there's a, a lesson to be learned here. That a person needs to be considered about the public success of the world, and the public redemption, but also one's own personal portfolio. How am I doing? If my, if my perspective of life is I'm trying to make myself a little bit better in order that the world is a little bit better, so I'm going to start at home, right? I'm going to start saving water in order that the world's water problems are going to be solved. I'm going to start working on my own midos, my own characteristics, so the world is a better place. Then I'll kain al smichas gula litvila shemore shetia kopeniyas lotovas aklal. What is smichas gula litvila? Gula is about the world redemption. That's a national, international scale. If I wanted to get that right, yesh boim hefsek. I don't want to have a, a, a hefsek between my davening, my personal tvilas, and the gula of the world. That's the idea of smichas gula litvila, right? World redemption and myself, my own request. How do I fit into that? By putting in something like a hashkiveinu, which is about our needs right now, our personal, our community, protect us, security, all these things like that. What essentially a person is saying is that my, my security, my space in this world, my perfection is also part of the larger arc of history, which is redemption. Okay, so there's, it's important to realize, he says, don't eclipse and think that I'm going to be totally a klal person, which is not a, a, a worry I have about this generation, <laughs> of having to fall off that edge of the spectrum. But, but if a person is perhaps subsumed in the larger redemption, they're going to be a little less worried about themselves. So we place in the hashkiven, which is more personal, to remind ourselves that also our personal, personal portfolios fit into the larger arc of history as well. The Gaal Yisrael. That's his perspective on this. Let's reverse to the fact that's one change at night. We have this extra additional, which is what we'll call the more personal redemption of a redemptive process. Let's go back to the beginning. You'll notice that the Berikos Kriyashma at night are a little bit different, right? So there's a few differences. First of all, they're shorter. They are the Ma'ariv Aravim is the first one, which is like sort of the Yotzer or parallel. And then there's um, the Avas Olam, right? With the, the, the Avarabah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different nusach, and the, 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 the nusach of the third bracha is also different. In the morning it's MS V'yatsev, in the evening it's MS V'emunah. Right, so, so why, how do we account for all these differences? What's really changed at night? The Gemara says it's actually very much an a, 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 a idea of, um, in, in, uh, in theme. The Gemara tells us, this is back to our Gemara in, in uh, source 20. No, one second, yes. 
Hashem is true and constant in the day, and you need to say He is, he is, he is true and um, faithful at night. Why do you need to do that? To talk about Hashem's kindness in the day and His Emunah's faithfulness at night. That is a very fascinating statement. What does it mean? This helps us understand the difference between the Berkos Kriyashwa in the morning and the night. What does it mean? So Rav Kook makes a very basic observation. For those who learn on Shabbos afternoons together, and Rav Kook, this is all the, these topics we, we've covered over the last few years, but this is why it's so important. He says the following observation. Night today is the relationship between sleep to action, right? That's the basic equation. Just as I need sleep for a good day, right? And most people have a, whatever their threshold is, they need it. And you get anything less than that threshold, it's going to be a bad day for those of around, around us, no matter how much coffee, right? And for ourselves. Um, so just like we need sleep to operate in the day, that would indicate that that is the relationship between chesed and emunah. Which means to say, how do I get, how, how, how do I, am I able to see the kindness of God in my life? If I have a sufficient amount or dose of emunah, I need to sleep enough to be able to, to, to operate in the day. I need to have enough emunah in my life at the quiet times in order to operate and see the chesed during the other times. Is that an interesting observation? If we the only way to choose to see God in the world is we have enough, we'll call it spiritual sleep. Spiritual sleep is emunah. In order to be able to see the kindness of God in the day, I need the emunah at night. That's what's being said over here. Isn't that interesting? Now, the, the, the way that Rakuk takes it a little further is he quotes the Ramam in the Morin of Ochim, who talks about how do we see God in our lives. And he says, he talks about God being like a person who's traveling, navigating through a very dark environment. They can't find their way. And they're sort of going through the bushes. There's no paths, there's no maps. That's what life really is. For us, if we think about that, we can imagine just how difficult life is and the, you know, the rocks we trip over and the thorn bushes we go through and all the things we make, good decisions, bad decisions and everything in between is like traveling through a dark landscape all, all the time. Says the Rambam in the introduction to Moron Nebuchim, sometimes there'll be lightning flashes and the lightning flash for a split second will illuminate the landscape and there afterwards, although it's black again, now I can sort of remember that I remember there was a ravine over that way. I remember that there were trees that way. Maybe that's an indication that there's water. So I can, I can sort of recreate the landscape in my, 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 mental, in my mental memory by, by that, that flash. He says some people have a few flashes per night in their lives. Some people have constant flickering because there's so much light in their lives. And some people only have it once or maybe twice in their lives. Where they have that moment, that, 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 that epiphany of clarity. That's, that, that, that's what Ramam is describing. Now he's talking about prophecy, but I think in our own, in our own so to speak, inspiration and our own divine inspiration in our lives, we have, we have some experiences of that navigation. It says, it says, it says, says quick when it comes to, to this as well, is you need to have a sufficient amount of lightning you have enough, enough, so to speak, emunah to understand, the, to navigate the, the rest of life. It's very hard to see God when it's dark, when it's, night, when it's at night. But sometimes you need to have enough light, the opposite way around, in the morning to be able to navigate the night as well. So this is the opposite idea of it before. And the first one was, I need to have enough emunah to see God at the, good, at the good times. But here he's saying the other way around. I need to have enough light, I need to have enough flashes to be able to see God when the lights are out as well. That's uh, what's being said. So therefore, you'll notice an interesting thing. A number of the changes in text actually reflect this reality. So for instance, Avarabo, great love, you know. Would you like a relationship where it's contractual or love-based? Well, it depends, right? <laughs> depends how much, is it, how much credit you have, right? So meaning to say, if it's a, the relationship is in a good place and we have lots of credit and we love each other and, we, and, and, and there's tenderness and, and thoughtfulness, and we're, so then it's fine. Then we'll, that's the ultimate kind of relationship. 
But what happens when things are dry? What happens when, when it's, been, it's, been, it's, been, it's been tense? What happens when we've made withdrawals and we haven't paid back and we haven't fixed up those, issues, those situations? Then relying on trust and love is sometimes a little more scary. We'd, we'd prefer to have a little more of a contractual relationship. I have a rabbi is about Hashem, we love you so much, you have this relationship with us in diamonds and, and in beauty. That's during the day, that's in the morning. Avas Olam at night is the, we'll call, that's what we'll call it the bris avos. That's the, the covenant that God made a contract not to distress. us. At night, it's harder to see God, we, we evoke contract. In the day, we evoke love and relationship. That's one d- difference. In the morning, we say emes yatsiv. Yatsiv means clear it's, found, it's standing on foundation. Hashem, we have this relationship with you. Your reality is absolutely clear to us. At night, MS Vemuna, in faithfulness. Hashem, we can't really see exactly everything that's working out right now. Right now, it's feeling really dark. I'm feeling the pain a lot. But you know what? I have the faith in you because I know in the day it was working out. That's what's happening in the, in the Berkos Kriyashma. The Berkos Kriyashma are, are reflecting our relationships, which is why if we turn back to the idea that the Berkos Kriyashma are not talking about history, but talking about our, our day, we're talking about that thematically all the nights of our life are reflected in the Berkos Kriyashma at night and in the morning, the Berkos Kriyashma in the day. That's a little bit of what's, what seems to be happening over here as, as the Gemara is, is trying to uh, suggest this. One last question over here is um, an interesting point. Um, there are a lot of other, other pieces over here, but just uh, for, uh, for the sake of brevity right now. Um, where does Yiru Einenu come from? We have this, all this extra, this, this Baruch Hashem Lalam Amen Vamein, and all that extra paragraph for those who are Ashkenazim and not at weddings in a rush. Okay, I'm just not, uh, not commenting on, on, on what happens to Marev. Okay, so, but nonetheless, um, where does all that, that come from? So it turns out there are a few suggestions. One suggestion is, as Tosis points out, actually, you know, I'm going to read the, the summary of it just a little easier. Um, uh, just, just for the sake of time. The top of page 12. The, this prayer was instituted in Geonic times, so it's later than the original Siddur. It consists of 19 verses. So there's 19 psukim, if anybody's counting. And it mentions God's names 19 times. It thus, uh, safe, uh, it, it thus parallels the 19 brachos of the Amida. Various explanations are given to its insertion in the Marev service at this point. Number one, as Marev is not obligatory, it's one tier down from an obligatory player. Um, it replaces the Amida in the full, if the Shmuel full Amida cannot be recited. Interesting. So that's Rav Nutraigon, who says that it is, a, so to speak, a supplement or a replacement for Marev. Um, it was also added, number two, it was added to allow latecomers to catch up so that everyone could go home together and say, uh, uh, safely together. You, may, you sort of imagine the Mamara at the end of the day, the laborers are coming in. And if a laborer is late because they had a late shift and they're, not gonna, and they're gonna walk home alone, it's dangerous. The shuls were placed out of, out of the area of, uh, of, of civilization. Three, after days will labor, some might be too tired to recite the full Amida. Hence, this could serve as a worthy substitute. That's the Avudram and the Ravid. Four, during the periods of oppression when the Jews were forbidden to recite Amida, they would quietly substitute these 19 verses, the Rashba and the Baal Hamin Hagos. Even though we may no longer have these concerns, we maintain the earlier custom to recite it out of respect for the past practice which is where it comes from, and also replaces, potentially replaces the repetition of the Shemona Estre, which is only missing at night. So we almost have that, that introduction um, as well. That's where, why there are these 19 Sukkim as well. So this is, the, this is sort of a, a general sweeping overview as well. We're going to sort of skip the watch just because of the sake of time today. There are a number of important questions to be had. I think the most significant question in Alakha which reveals the nature of what we're doing during the Berkos Kriya Shema is the following, and that comes back to the question of if I need to say Shema early and I don't say the Berkos Kriya Shema, I still need to say the Berkos Kriya Shema later again, because they actually have more of the halacha of a tefillah than they do of Kriya Shema. 
Kriya Shema has more limitation in its scope and time than Tefillah does, than prayer itself, and these actually form the basis of prayer, which is why they have a more extensive time frame than the Kriya Shema itself. Do they thematically connect? Yes, they do, but they actually have their own independent reality. Shlami. That's a good question. I don't know. It seems to be a whole package. It seems to be that it all comes together, and if one wants to say one says it properly, which we haven't, we don't do. But that's a good question. You know, sort of you saying just leave the Gula later on and say the other brick very good question. I just, I, I, I just want to, 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 to reflect on this point over here at this point in time that there's a lot of, lot of very important ideas being said in, Kriyash, in Birkas Kriyashma. I think that it, it, it serves us best to take a, a few more seconds just to try, to try to absorb this. And whether it be we focus on a paragraph a week just to try to appreciate or use the sitter to appreciate what's going on in those sections, there's a lot there. Whether it be God in creation, God in Kedusha, God in Torah, God in Gula, or the extension of Gula, there's a lot that's being talked about, difference of day, difference of night, in our own lives. Rabbi thank you very much for taking the time. I hope everybody has a wonderful and meaningful day ahead. Um.